Welcome to a live preaching message from the Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, New York City. Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, is the Apache of the Kadesh Family Churches in North America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. That's what in the psalm, I think you want to read the psalm, he said that, sit down. You see, he says, sit down at my right hand. You see, sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. You see, sit down. First, the first thing you need to do is that if your enemy, if you want your enemies to become your footstool, God is the one who can, God is the one, you see, one, God is the one who can make your enemies your footstool. You cannot make your enemies your footstool. God is the one who can make your enemies your footstool. And God said, before I do that, I want you to sit down first. And a lot of us have problems sitting down. We always want to run, we always want to fix it ourselves. A lot lot of scriptures talk about sitting down. If you want to see God's miracle. Even when Jesus fed the 5,000. When he got got the... he told them to sit down. Because if you are standing, you don't get a bread. Hallelujah. So may we learn to sit down. I will be still. Hallelujah. You see, and you get that message when you know that you... The reason why we, we struggle sitting down, we think we can do it ourselves. That's all. But if you have the revelation that you cannot... You sit down. You understand? But because you think you can, that is why you think you can and two is taking too long. One, you think you can and two is taking too long. So let me do something about it myself. That's where the, that's where the message. So tell your neighbor, learn to sit down. Say, learn to sit down. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Is there a memory verse for today? Wow. Easy. Romans 1 16. One, two, go. A song by Andre. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that believeth. Hallelujah. You should not be ashamed of the gospel. Power of God. It is actually the power of God. You know, this morning, as I, I don't know how many of you had the time to uh, watch the first love service in Accra, Ghana. It was mainly about the testimonies. Did you listen to the testimonies? As you were listening to that, as I was listening to the I could see that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. As all the young people came to testify, you could see that there is, I mean, you, you can really see that a power has changed them. 
That's why we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Because as they were teaching their testimony, I said, hey, you are at your age. You have done all this. You could see that some of them were really headaches for their parents. But the gospel has changed them. I said, but the gospel has changed them. I mean, the gospel has changed them. So, I mean, for them even to travel to, from all the way from London to Accra for a camp. I mean, for people who were small, you can see that the gospel has changed them. So we are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. The power of God. There's power in the gospel. Unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. You could see that. Look, their parents have tried, but they wouldn't change. It's the power. They kept on sharing the testimony. Go, go, go and listen to it. I recommend that everybody should listen to this morning's service. Not even the message. It's all about the testimonies. It's a long session of testimonies. Of first love all over the world. As people come to share their testimony. You can see that there's salvation in the gospel. And what can change a person? The gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. Because some of the children were terrible. But the gospel has changed them. Amen. And I'm sure their parents are grateful forever. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. For it is the power of God. Hallelujah. So, we are continuing still on our series, How to Preach Salvation. Amen. And today, you know, the great invitation. You know, salvation is also an invitation. Hallelujah. Salvation is also an invitation. Hallelujah. God is inviting you to a feast. Hallelujah. Let's look at the scripture. The great invitation. Salvation is also an invitation. Okay. Let's look at Luke chapter 14. From verse number 17. You see, but let me give you a background. Jesus Christ was the one who told this parable. These are the words of Jesus. So if you have a good Bible, it will be in red. Why did Jesus Christ... You see, every time you read the Bible and you see a parable of Christ... It is always good to check the context or the background. Because usually it is an answer to a question or a comment. Then he will say something to explain it. Hallelujah. So it is always good to check the context. Because when you check the context, then you understand why he said that. Hallelujah. So we, we get the context of this parable by going to the verse before, verse 16, I believe. No, go back 15. I want us to get it. Aha. Uh-huh. See, this is the contest. He was at a party. Somebody invited him to the house, a Pharisee, and they were eating. Then somebody asked him a question, you see? And when one of them, which was, that sat at meat with him, heard these things, okay? He said unto him, then somebody passed a comment, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ was talking. Then some guy said, wow. Then blessed is he. Okay? So if you read your Bible, this part is in black. Because that was somebody's, somebody's comment. The person said, blessed is he. He said, wow. Then you are really, really blessed. Amen. 
if you are asked to eat bread in the kingdom, ask the person's comment. Blessed is he. Okay, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's like the person said, "What? There is a real privilege. It's a great blessing if you are if you are invited to eat bread in the kingdom of God." That's what the person said. Blessed, Hallelujah, Amen. That's what the person said. Blessed is he, Hallelujah. Then this was Jesus. Comment to the person. Jesus responds to the person's comment. That yes, indeed. Go, verse 16. Then, then said he unto him, the person said, Blessed is he. What a great privilege to eat bread in the kingdom. Then Jesus said, Look, let me tell you what, what is going on. If you know it is blessed to eat the bread, this is what happens. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. Okay? Bade many. Come, for all things are now ready. Have you seen where Jesus is coming from? Come, all things are ready. You think that people are happy to eat, but this is what happens. Jesus was trying to tell the guy, you think that it's a privilege to be invited. But this is actually the situation. He was giving the parable. Uh, and it's never at supper time to say to the devil, come, for all things are ready. Next verse. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. You think that something great, something great is being offered. Yes, the people make excuses. You would think that people would jump at it. Are you understanding? This I say that you, yes, you think. This is amazing. This, you see, have you seen the, the explanation? You would think that, oh, people will actually jump at such a great invitation. They will jump at salvation, but rather they make excuses. You would think. You would think people will be so happy. And they, with all what was said, began to make excuses. The first one said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must need go and see it. I pray it have me excused. Continue. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go prove them. I pray they have me excuse. Have me excuse from where? You see, I'm trying to answer me. Have me excuse from where? Where were they being invited to? Please talk back. Where they where were they being invited to? A party. Something great. Have me excuse from what? Yes. You see, because, you see, because the guy passed the comment that, wow, what a privilege to eat in the kingdom. And Jesus said that you will be amazed the way people respond to it. 
you will be amazed. Something great like this is being offered, but you'll be amazed at people's response. I have five oxen. I go prove them that I paid. Have me excuse. What did the next guy say? And another said, I have married a wife. As for him, he was damn right rude. Because the, the other one said, have me excuse. Have me excuse. That, that's a polite way. Oh, I, please, can you have me excuse for this event? That's polite. This guy, he was rude. I cannot come. <laughs> I married a wife. I cannot come. I mean, even somebody you invite to a place that you cannot come, just say, excuse me. But don't be rude. He said, therefore, I can't come. Marry the wife. I cannot come. Hallelujah. All right, let's continue the story, the parable. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the, bring in hither the poor. Look at the categories of people who are coming. The poor and the maim and the halt and the blind. Wow. Next one. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servants, Go out into the highways and hedges. Highways. No people who have homes. Go to the highways and hedges. Not, don't go to the houses. Who, who do you think live in highways and hedges? Homeless. Go to the, not go to the residential area. Not go into the residential area. Not go into the apartment complex. The highway and hedges. And compel or force them to come in. That my house may be filled. Hmm. For I say unto you. This thing is a, a warning. You see. Jesus said. For I say unto you. That none of those men which were bidden. Shall taste of my supper. I say unto you, I say unto you, I say unto you that none of those men who were bidden shall eat at my supper. Who were bidden? Number one was who? Who was the first guy? The guy who said what? He's going to sell, sell his land. Who was the second one? The oxen guy. And who was the third one? You see, let me, let me, one, l l l l l he, he said none of these guys will be there. None. These are the words of Jesus Christ. These are not words. He said none of these guys will be there. So he was talking about, take, you see, first of all, the first thing I want to say is that, let me, let me go to the second part, then we'll come to the first part. You see, the people who jumped at the invitation were the men. The blind, the halts, the highways and the byways. Do you know why? You see, it's not. It's it 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 it
Salvation is for people who admit they have problems. Yes. The reason why people don't jump at salvation is because they think they are okay. The reason why you don't jump at salvation is because people think they are okay. I'm okay. I'm not such a bad person. After I'm a good person, I don't do this, I don't do that. You, you, you think you are okay. So it takes, it takes people who accept that they are not okay. That they are not okay. That they are sinners. That they have problems. That they are not okay. They are the ones. So with an attitude of I am okay, I'm, 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 I'm righteous, I mean, I do what I'm supposed to do, you can easily reject salvation. That is why the Bible said that all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short. So Jesus Christ is by this problem is telling us, look, the truth of the matter that we are all the holds, you are made, you are blind. There is a defect with you and if you accept that there is a defect with you, you are ready for salvation. If you accept that there is a defect with you, then you are ready for salvation. Are you hearing me, church? Because, you see, you can easily think. You see, even though, even though you won't say it, in your head, you think you are better than somebody. That is why, if you want to hear, let's come, and pray, let's come for all night prayers. Like, I don't need to pray all night. I don't have a problem. Let those who have a problem go and pray. That's why here, let's come to church. I don't need to, I, I don't really need this church thing. I'm okay. Yeah. He says, so so you, you can see that the people who responded, the highways and the, the people, even in the church, you can easily become self-righteous. Even in the congregation. You can because as you hear of other people's testimonies, say, hey. Where are they bad boys and bad girls? Where are they from? Because you grew up in a home, mother and father, you started going to school, there was mass, there was morning devotion. You grew up with morning devotion in your house. So when you hear other people say, mm, they need Jesus. But you don't, you're okay. So, so the, first, it's the, the first thing we must learn from this parable is that Unless you accept your weakness and your deficiencies. And, and by the way, we are all weak and we are all deficient. The Bible says your, your, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Hallelujah. That is why we need to work on our salvation. We need to... See, see, pride, pride can always collapse you. Pride. Self-righteousness. Recently, I was on a... I was going to play. I was, I was going to play golf, but no matter what you go and play, we go and warm up. Just hit a few balls. Now I was there with a, a group of, you know, elderly white men. Quite, I mean, they all look quite well because uh, white old men rule the world. As somebody said, they, they rule the world. So they came, you know, they come and pack. They come, everybody come and pack, and then they'll be practicing. 
Then one guy is it, it, actually a league for them. So like they are in a the league. They will come to play their, their tournament. Now I just I just happened to be there. I mean I, I was not part of that. I was just do, I was just happened to be at the same time. Also doing some working on my own stuff. Then they came. So every day would come and warm up. Then this guy came. Then he didn't come with any balls. So a friend of him said, "Look, can you take some of my balls and warm up?" You know his reply. He says, how can you improve on perfection? <laughs> a white old man. <laughs> how can you improve on perfection? <laughs> I said, hey! I've never heard a statement like that before. That how can you improve on perfection? Like he's so good, he does not need to improve upon it. Not even like I used to say that. And then his friend, I'm sure he was just joking. So his friend gave him the balls. That doesn't matter, take some few balls. As he swung, the ball. <laughs> I, I just said in my head, pride goes before a fall. <laughs> Can you improve on perfection? I say, really? How can you improve on perfection? You see, unless you have an attitude of humility, which comes from accepting that you are not perfect, accepting that you are not right, accepting that there's a problem with you. You see, if you don't have that personality of accepting, look, I am not okay. I am who I am by the grace. You will not respond to the great invitation. Hallelujah. Amen. So, that's the club group of people who responded. The people who admit that they are not okay. Hallelujah. Amen. But the people who said, who thought they were okay. You see, and said none of those. So, so here, it also gives us another window. The first one was, uh, the guy who, uh, what was the guy, first one again, um, the landowner. He's into properties. He's a real estate guy. In fact, both, both and the second one was an auction owner. You see? Business. Your profession. Your work. What you take pride in can keep you from serving God. Yeah. Yeah. If you lift those things above God, he said, look, what, what it also means that those things can become a hindrance. Yeah. Your property, your business, your job. It can, it, if, you, if, if, if you lift it above God, it can actually become a hindrance. Yeah. And of course, the other one was, was marriage, family. See, don't ever lift your marriage above the work of God. Don't make that mistake. I'm saying it again. Don't lift your marriage above the work of God. Some people are so much into their marriage, they, it's like, 
Oh, well, we just came home from work. And we just came from home. We are both tired. Why do we have to go for the prayer meeting? We need to spend some me time together. Me time? Me time. We need to spend some time together. You have been all, all, all day. I mean, we, um, can't we just skip the all night for tonight? Why do we have to go to the weekday service? We, we, all our day. We need to spend some family time together. I'm not saying don't spend family time together. But all I'm saying is accept the Lord build. Because you can stay together in the house and the whole evening will quarrel. <laughs> I'm saying yes. I'm preaching. I, I, you, you can insist on the meantime, but if you don't take care, it will become a quarreling night. Till the next day. So you have been better off just coming to church. Oh yeah. Are you hearing me, church? So don't I married a wife. My wife is important. My children are important. But you see, you can keep your children. So, you see, you can keep your children at home so concerned about okay, they have to, they have to do their homework. I'm not saying all those things are not good, though, but you can put so much emphasis on it, you find that the children stay home and become monsters. You have seen some? Don't 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 joke. You can keep them at home, shelter them, and they'll become monsters right under you. Yeah. Because you, you need a certain power. We are not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power. There's a certain power in the gospel that can change your child and you cannot. It is the power. It is the power. There is a certain power in the gospel that can turn that wayward child and you cannot. So you keep them in the house and shelter them. Okay, you know, look. This type of trying to raise Jack, Jack and Jill, perfect home, it's not easy. Jack and Jill, perfect, perfect home. No. You'll be surprised. Because what will change them is the power of the gospel. I said what will change them is the power of the gospel. So I always keep on telling parents, look, even if the child is sleeping, let them come and sleep in church. It is better. Amen. Hallelujah. Because some people are so concerned about their family, their children, their marriage, so much that they despise the work of God. Because it's like every demand of the church is eating into their private life. Meanwhile, this is your private life to when we come and look inside. This is your private life that you are used to, to disturb all of us. If we come and look inside, there's nothing in there. They're just staring at each other, quarreling with each other, and giving cheeky remarks at each other, but we say we are together. We are together for what? You are better off going out because after all, your absence will bring some fun and some memories. Sometimes we have to go away. When we come, they miss you. That is why when, I, when, I, when they talk about the safe camp, I encourage Reverend Nancy, one who's organizing, put your hands together for Reverend Nancy. When I, heard, I said, look, send the children, because in the safe camp, some of your children, you've been talking to them, uh, they won't change. But when they go to a safe camp, the power of the gospel, it changes them. 
power. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, look, none of these guys, none of these guys, because you see, I say you have to read the context. When you go down the next chapter, that's when he said that if any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself. That, that's the, the, the following verse. You must deny yourself and take, take up his cross and follow me. He says, unless you hate your father and your mother. That's what he, that, that, it was the, after that he's made those statements. Unless you hate your father and your mother. Obviously, listen to me, listen to me. He was not contradicting himself. When, because it was the same Bible that says that, honor your father and your mother. Okay? That it may be well with you. So when he says that, unless you hate your father and mother, he's not saying not honor your father and mother. He's not contradicting himself. What he's trying to say is that unless you begin to lift some things above, I mean, I mean, unless you begin to lift some love or things above um, the love of me, you cannot. That's what he's trying to say. He's not saying disrespect your father or mother. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that, look, don't put your family, your father, your brother so tight above me. If you do that, look, you cannot follow me because they will be the very people who can be an obstruction to you. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Yeah, that's the next verse. In the same chapter, Luke 14. If any man come after me and, and, and hate not his father and his mother. Can you see that? The people you're supposed to hate. Huh? You must hate your father. You must hate your mother. You must hate your wife. You must hate your children, your brothers, your sisters. You must hate, you see, even your own life. He didn't say you should go and kill yourself. That's not what he's saying. He said that even your own life can be a hindrance. What, what, when does your own life become a hindrance? When you, look, you like too much of your personal comfort because you have to sacrifice your personal comfort to serve God. I'm preaching. That's you must you. If you really, really want to serve God, you must sacrifice your personal comfort. The reason why most of you don't come for weekday service, for which I'm not happy with, because it says it's something very wrong with you, is that you don't want to come your personal comfort. You are going to work on Wednesday morning, you have to pay toll, it is too far. You have to so you don't come. It's your personal comfort. That's why I don't see you on Tuesday. That's why I don't see you on Tuesday. It's a reflection that you love your personal comfort. Unless you hate your own life. Hallelujah. That's why I don't see you on Tuesday. And I will never stop talking about it. I will keep on saying that my heart people don't come for weakness. I'll keep on, I even told apostle, I'll keep on saying it. Uh, I will not stop saying it. Until I see your face, I will not stop saying it. They, I'll only step when I see your face, then I'll stop. But until now, I will say it. I will say it. I will say it. Uh, every day, I will say it. Every day I have the microphone, I will say it. Because the only reason for you not coming is because of personal comfort. It will cost you something. It is stressful to pay, to pay toll, to look for parking. Personal comfort. So I will never stop saying it. Unless you hate yourself, you cannot be my disciple. I'm teaching. Hallelujah. I'll say it. One day you will change. 
That's how I see that one day you will change. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and see, which brings me to uh, the other point. I, I'm closing very soon. You know, do you know what I was saying? How many have been invited to a party before? I'm, I'm asking, how many have been invited to a party before? How many have been invited to a party that you didn't go? Huh? You didn't go? Now let me ask you, genuinely, was it that you couldn't go? No, huh? no I could, but I didn't. <laughs> Good answer. Usually when people don't come, it's not because they cannot, but they don't want to. I'm telling you. Say they don't want to come to a place, it's not that they cannot. If they really want to, they can. If you want to do something, you make a way. If you don't want to do it, you make an excuse. I'm preaching. That's why I give me excuses for my weekday service because you don't want to come. I'm at it again. I'll say it again. If you really want to do something, you make a way. have been invited. Oh, I mean, even recently, some people invited me to do something with them. I didn't want them to play golf, but because I didn't want to play, I made an excuse. But the guy that I want to play with, when he called me, I jumped. <laughs> it's, we're all like that. If we want to make a way. So, this is a sign that they really didn't want to come. Because anything you want to do, you make a way. The things you don't want to do, you make an excuse. You see, and I'm showing you that, you see, they told, the man, he, first of all, he sent the servant. And they told the servant they can't come. And the servant came back and reported to the master. So it means that the servant accepted the excuses. Okay? But when he came and told the master, the master said, no, uh, no, no, it's not good enough. Go to the highways and byways. So I'm saying that when you are used to accepting excuses, you think like a servant. It is a servant mentality that makes you always accept excuses. But when you think like a master, you overcome excuses. Are you hearing me? So, every time you are accepting excuses, you are behaving like a servant. Yeah. If you want to do well, have a master mentality whereby you overcome excuses. And, and, and I'm talking about something, not, not even excuses from somebody. Your own personal excuses that you give yourself. You must overcome yourself. Because you have a servant mentality. That is why you accept your own personal excuses. Oh, I can't do this because of this. I can't do this because of that. You, you have accepted your own personal excuses and you remain a servant. That's why you don't make progress. Because, because anything you want to do, you make a way. 
What you want to do? You see, so sometimes it's in the excuses you tell yourself, or the you see, for which you cannot do something, it shows the way your mind works. Oh, you know, I can't do this because of that. You know, I can't do this because of that. Because I, because I paid this. Because I did this. Do this. So, so that is why. That is why. No. If you go and check, other people are in the same situation and they overcome it. So a servant mind always accepts excuses. Yeah. That is why if you want to be a good leader and a good master, never accept excuses. Never. Never. Even if you want to lead yourself well, I'm not even talking about other people. If you want to lead yourself well, never accept your personal excuses. Accept your personal you know, I, I slept late. That's why I couldn't wake up. Wake up! I said, wake up! I said, wake up! Never accept your personal excuse. Oh, you know, in my, in my family, we are offered is the genes. Wake up! Discipline yourself on your diet and your exercise. Wake up! Don't accept your personal excuses. Oh! I mean, can't you see my cousins? That's how we are all. I know. Wake up. Bring the treadmill out. Cut the carbohydrate intake. Wake up. Stop giving yourself personal excuses. Oh, you know, the reason why I don't have a job because the system is down. They are not hiring. Wake up. Don't cut yourself excuses. Wake up and put your resume on there. I'm preaching. Because I, your continuous acceptance of excuses will always make you a servant. Always. Your continuous acceptance of excuses will always make you a servant. Because servant think like that. Yeah. You must be able to say that, look, I can do all things through Christ. That's a good verse. I can do all things through Christ. 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 Oh, you know, I'm so tired. I came home late. That's why I didn't do the homework. You know, that's why I didn't do the homework. I wake up! Stop giving you excuses for I'm being tired. Uh, I'm tired and it's too difficult. Wake up! Wake up! Go to the library. Do the references. Don't escape the excuses. Well, you know, well, everybody, uh, you, you know, I wasn't the only person who got an F. Please, you got an F. Wake up. Stop giving yourself excuses. Let's, let's overcome this servant mentality. Stop thinking like a servant. Stop thinking like a servant. The servant accepted excuses. The master did not. Stop accepting me think like a servant. Everything is an excuse for it. Everything is an excuse. Everything is a reason. And there's a reason why it cannot be. Cars are, cars, cars, cars. Because of what? Wake up. The mind of a master. See, I'm talking about a mastermind. I mean, see, a mastermind is a mind that overcomes excuses. What is something? It's a mastermind. It's a mastermind behind this. 
Because anything you do, there will be, be obstacles. Anything you do, there will be challenges. Anything there will be difficulties. When, when they say somebody is a mastermind, it means he has a mind that overcomes all the obstacles. May you have a mastermind. I say, may you have a mastermind. I say, may you have a mastermind. Stand up to your feet and let's close. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. And follow Jesus. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Every day, every day. Every day. Don't be ashamed. Oh, Jesus. To say that you know him. Oh, I love it. Let's count. Being invited to the dinner, to the party, to eternal life. And the Bible says, except a man be born again, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This morning, Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. He's saying that I stand at the heart of the door. I'm knocking. I'm calling you to come in. I'm calling you to come into a better life. You have been invited to a party. A life of a party. A life of, a life of happiness, joy, and prosperity and peace. You have been invited to eternal life. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. This is why Christ came to die. For you and I to be saved. I gave my life to Christ some time ago. If you have not done that, today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day. The, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. So if you have not given your life to Christ, this is your day. 
take a decision for Jesus. Take a decision for Jesus. So, with every eye closed, no movement around, no movement, absolutely not, no movement. Everybody don't move. And everybody close your eyes. And those who want to give their life to Christ, you want to be saved, please lift up your hand and I pray for you. Salvation is knocking at your door. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. If you want to give your life to Jesus, please lift up your hand. This is the hour of salvation. This is why he came. You are the reason why he died on the cross. You are the reason why he shed his blood. This is the hour of salvation. Pick up. God is calling you. Don't make the mistake of going to hell. Do not. Because it's not fun there at all. I'm talking about eternity. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here like that this morning? Salvation is knocking. Don't say that, oh, you know, I'm thinking about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. You are not saved. Lift up your hand and I'll pray for you. I just want to make sure. Do not. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for salvation. Let nobody here under the sound of my voice go to hell and perish. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you blessed? We hope that you've been blessed. Come join us for any of our services. Contact us on lci.newyork at gmail.com and visit us on the web at www.lcimanhattan.com.